Well, good morning, Crossroads. My name is Dustin. I'm a pastor here, and it's great to be with you. It's an exciting day, however you're watching us here in Goshen. Of course, also online. I want to give a shout-out to all of our online and drive-in people, but as well at our campuses. And I want to give a special shout-out today to our Mishawaka campus. Guys, I'm normally with you on Sunday. Let's give it up for our Mishawaka people. Thank you. Yes. We love you, and it's great to, to be a part of the Mishawaka campus. Guys, we have campuses more than this, and it's great uh, that they are worshiping the same Jesus with us today. We're great to be connected as one church in multiple locations. But today is an exciting day because we kick off a new series called Fruits. In this series, uh, we are going to be guided by two verses for nine weeks, and we are excited about the next nine weeks because we believe as we dive into these concepts, we can unlock something in ourselves that was put there by God. And so that's why this scripture will be our guide. And wherever you came in, if you're at one of our physical locations today, you received one of these booklets. In fact, can you just wave this booklet at me if you have it? All right, good. A lot of us should have it. This is free. Can we just make some noise for free stuff? Let's go. Yes. Uh, And the reason we give you that is it has tools for you to get connected to God over this journey of the next nine weeks. Not only are there uh, notes for you to follow along for all the sermons, there are also guides if you need one or if you would like to use one for daily devotionals. We even put some tools in there to get connected to some groups. You could use it just in your own life with your family, grab a couple friends, you could meet strangers at a random coffee shop, you could be that creeper who starts a conversation with the fruits book at Starbucks. So we have given you tools uh, to make this a meaningful experience because truly we believe that it can help us unlock something uh, in us, our God-given potential in our lives. And so as we dive into fruits, we recognize this, we are designed to be fruitful. In fact, in the very first book, the very first page of the Bible, God is creating everything, the universe. And he gets to his final masterpiece. He gets to creating us, creating humankind. And as God breathes his divine breath into a clump of dirt, he steps back and he looks at at humans and he calls it good. And he gives us a command. The first command God gives us is this. He says, be fruitful. That's the first command. God has put something in you, designed in you, something to be fruitful. And then he says, and be fruitful and multiply, right, to carry this fruitfulness on beyond yourself. And I believe this is talking about much more than simple procreation, although I'm grateful that's part of the deal too. But God has created us to be fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply is the first commandment. And so in in the scripture we're going to be walking through is is simply just two verses. It's going to be our guide for nine weeks, And, and it's from a book called Galatians, and Galatians was written by Paul. It's a letter to a church uh, he planted in Galatia. And as he's talking to this church, he, he's at a section in the, in the letter, it's in chapter five, he's explaining to them how beautiful it is that as followers of Jesus, we have freedom in him. That we have freedom to live our lives, not tied to some rigid, structured law, but we have freedom as we live in the love of Jesus, we have freedom. But then he stops and he says, but that freedom is not so you could do whatever you want. The freedom is not to indulge yourself, to chase after whatever feels good in the moment. That life, he says, 
leads to all sorts of things that do not honor God. And he lists it in uh, Galatians 5, if you want to look it up later this week. He lists all the things that happen and are birthed in us when we chase our own desires and our own passions. And then he pauses and turns a corner there in verse 22 and 23, which is what we're going to read together. And he starts out here, he says this, but, right, as opposed to following your own way of doing things, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And I want to pause there for a second. Because he says, he's, he's letting us know something, right? As on a journey of unlocking who we are, right? Unlocking this God-given fruitful passion, which is an important thing because, because, listen, I think our culture has designed us and wired us to become consumers, to chase after what we can get, experiences we can have. It's all about us and it's about what I can have and consume. And, and, and this scripture says, no, but the Holy Spirit wants to produce a different kind of fruit to be fruitful, in our lives. And the reason I want to pause here is because I think this brings up an important distinction for us, right? It's different. This isn't fruit that we can get from ourselves. As he's about ready to list a bunch of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, as he's about to list that, he's, what he's saying is this isn't coming from you. This isn't about your intelligence. This isn't about your competence. This isn't about your success, about your skills. This isn't about how good you are. No, this is produced in you by the Spirit of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. Right? And, I, and I came face to face with this distinction because about a year ago, I was uh, in the middle of kind of quarantine season. Uh, my son and I were hanging out at home. He was three at the time. Uh, and Davis was watching some random YouTube show. Uh, and on the screen, some guy was like throwing around seeds like he was Johnny Appleseed. And then this, all of a sudden, these giant trees at the snap of a finger just kind of sprouted up, right? And it was like this, this beanstalk up to the clouds, right? And, and Davis saw that and he said, I want to plant trees. And I was like, that sounds lame, but I'm a good dad, so let's go do it. So we went to the store and I I got some seeds, and I can only find carrot seeds. I don't even know where I was looking, but I found carrot seeds, and then I found some old potatoes in my pantry. I said, that's good enough, so I cut them up, and we went to my front yard, and I dug a hole in my front yard, because I'm assuming you need a hole to plant something. That's all I know about planting things, uh, and so I dug up this hole in my front yard, and I threw in the carrot seeds, and I threw in the nasty the chunked up potato, and, and I put the, the dirt back on top, and we stood on it, and we, and, you know, we, we, we made a we planted something, right? And I step back and I look over at Davis and he's like just eyeing this plant, this hole in the ground, expecting it to just shoot up. And he's hoping he's going to climb a beanstalk to meet a friendly giant in the sky, right? That's what he's expecting to happen. And nothing obviously happens. And then I said, listen, Davis, we've got to wait a little bit and then there's got to be some rain. And he looks up at the sky and he sees a dark cloud and he just says, Rain! Would you rain? And he starts dancing. And right at that moment, I look at our neighbor's house, and one of the blinds just peeks a little bit. <laughs> and our neighbors are now convinced they live across from some witch doctors, because me and him are doing a rain dance, twirling around a hole with a half-cut-up potato in it. And of course, Davis and me went into our house disappointed because nothing happened. The rain dance didn't do anything. It didn't rain. Nothing grew because we didn't have it in ourselves to produce fruit from the seed. It was not within our power, it was not within my power, it's not within my son's power to stare at it long enough to make something grow. 
He didn't have it in him. It has something else needs to be produced. And what this scripture is saying is that it's not within your power. If you need more love in your life, if you need more peace, if you need more joy, it's not about you trying harder. If you realize you need more self-control or more faithfulness, what this is saying is this isn't about something you lack or something you, you need to just work harder for. This is saying, no, if you want these things to be produced in your life, you have to get connected to the one who produces them. It's saying if you want to be fruitful, step one, get connected to Jesus. Because these things will be produced in you when you're connected to Jesus. Fruits aren't willed into existence. They are produced by the Holy Spirit. Scripture keeps going. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And we invite you on this journey as this is our guide for the next nine weeks. Keep coming back. What a great time to be a part of Crossroads. What a great tool to have that booklet for you to follow along with us and to dive in and to get connected to Jesus. And here's what we believe. is if you make that commitment to keep showing up and inviting people to show up, you will see that God produces. Nine weeks is plenty of time for God to produce things in your life that you didn't know was possible to be there. So this is going to be our guide. You know, Paul, as he's writing this in, in Galatians, he he's starts, I don't think Paul typically makes accidents, right? And Paul, being one of the most fruitful followers of Jesus of all time, he wrote nearly half of the New Testament, and, and he decides to start off this list of fruits that are produced in us with, with love. Right? I don't think that's an accident. In fact, in fact, everyone just say love for me. Very good, I felt it. In fact, look to the person next to you and say, I love you. That was good. I feel it. I hope you feel it in the room, right? <laughs> and this is what we recognize. We're going to start out here. Love is the root of the fruit, all right? Hopefully that sticks in your brain a little bit. Love is the root of the fruit. What we mean by that is love is what, what infiltrates the rest of the fruits and gives it life. It is the source of all the other fruits. And if you don't have love, the other ones are going to be hard. In fact, Paul, in another letter he's writing to another church, he says, if you don't have love, you might as well be the kind of person who just is in the street banging pots and pans together. Love is the root of the fruit. All of the rest of what we're talking about flows from love. And so we're going to pause together today, and we're going to dive into what it means to be filled with the fruit of love. You know, love is one of those words that uh, we throw around a lot. In English, it's such a random word. We could use it for a lot of things. I mean, I can say something like, I love coffee or I love my sandals, right? And I mean it 100% of the time. I love my beard and you do too because who wouldn't, right? Like we get that. Right? <laughs> but I also say things like, I love my mom, and I, we sing songs about loving Jesus, and it's weird because we use the same things to talk about my beard and Jesus, and they can't be on the same level. It's a weird word in English, and so uh, not all the other languages are as confined uh, to, to, to one word, and often I think because of that fact, uh, love loses its meaning, uh, and it loses the, 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 the depth of what we're talking about. And so uh, Greek, actually, the, the language that the New Testament was, most of the New Testament was written in, um, is, has four, at least that we know, four uh, words for love. The first one is eros, 
right? It's this erotic, passionate love. It talks about this, this pursuit, right, that drives people to do weird things for people they're pursuing. It's the middle school dance love that, right, like just I, all I want is this, I, she, I need her to love me. He writes love notes, and, and often it, it turns, it, this can easily turn into something that's not love that turns into lust, right, which is all about ourselves, and it's this kind of love. Thankfully, uh, this is not the love that Paul chooses in the scripture in Galatians. Another word for love is stergo. It's this family love. It's this mom holding her child for the first time. It's, it's the love that makes families do so many crazy things for each other. It's, it's family connection, this deep bond, stergo. It's family love. And this is not, again, the word that Paul chooses to use in this letter. And then there's phileo, which is a, another word for love. Maybe you've heard of this one. It's this brotherly love. It's this, this boys in arms. It's, it's a girl's night out. It's, it's realizing you're not alone in life. It's what we know you will experience if you commit to keep coming to Crossroads and take your next steps at Crossroads. You'll feel connected here. We know you'll experience this phileo, this brotherly, sisterly companionship, love. This let's go to battle together kind of love. That's phileo. And again, this is not the word Paul chooses to use. And then the, an, another one is agape. And again, maybe you've heard of this. This is volitional, like intentional, on purpose love. It's self-sacrificing love. It's unconditional love, love without any sort of stipulations or attachments. And I remember as a kid going to Sunday school, if they would mention this word, they would always say this is the, the type of love that only God can have for his people because only he could truly love people unconditionally was what I was taught. But you know, this is the word that Paul chooses to use in this scripture which what he's saying is what Jesus wants to produce in you, what the spirit of Jesus wants to produce in you when you get connected to him, is this agape love. This love that is the same love that filled Jesus and took him to the cross. The same love that God looks at you. It's the same love. It's agape love. And when we wear it on a shirt, we say you are loved. What we mean is that. It's agape. You are loved by an infinite God who created everything around you. And he looks at you. And he doesn't see your mistakes or your failures or your problems. He sees his child and he loves you. It's agape. And then what Paul is saying is this. When you get connected to him, when you believe that and live in that, he will actually fill you with the same love. You can be filled with agape, self-sacrificing, volitional, unconditional love. Jesus wants to fill you. You're created to be fruitful and be filled with this kind of love. You know, I, I want to kind of dive into what that means for us. And there's a scripture in John 15 where Jesus is talking to some of his followers and he's really explaining this very thing about how this works. It's, it's found in John 15. We're going to start in verse 5. And he says this. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. If you're connected to Jesus, you will be fruitful. For apart from me, you can do nothing Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Jesus is saying, if you're not connected to me, you can't be fruitful. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. 
But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. What does it mean to be a true disciple of Jesus? It means you produce fruit. This brings great glory, great fame to my Father. I have loved, that's the word agape, I have agaped you even as the Father has agaped me. Remain in my agape. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I remain in my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Jesus is saying the relationship between him and and the Father is the same relationship he extends to us. And I just want to make sure you guys all recognize what Jesus is saying is this, that, that he is extending an invitation to you to be connected to the God who created everything. And not in some distant, far away, I know that you exist, I see what you're doing, and if you mess up, I'm gonna throw something at you, but like in this deep connection way, in fact, Jesus is saying you are created for this relationship. And if you aren't connected to a relationship with Jesus, you're gonna feel and you're gonna wander through life without purpose. This is what you're created for, and I just wanna make sure none of us miss this, that you, Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to be connected to you. He knows what you think about. He knows what you've done, and he still wants to be in a relationship with you because he loves you. That's what we realize, that love, it leads us, and it connects us upwards. It connects us to God, and it connects us upwards and even today we're going to have a chance to make a decision and that decision could ignite the beginning of a relationship for you and maybe you've done that a thousand times but Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you. Love connects us upwards and this is what we realize. Love it says is committed obedience. It's listening to the voice of Jesus and doing what he asks. That's our expression of love. And then we see it trickles down, right? Love is the root of the fruit. So now joy then is love rejoicing, right? Love finding out that you can find joy in things. Peace now is love trusting that even when things don't look good around you, you know who you belong to and you find peace in terrible times. Why? Because you trust Jesus. Love informs all these things. I think most of us kind of get this idea, right? At like some level, we know, yes, God loves me. But the word that I hope challenges us today is, is Jesus says, remain in my love. That's a difficult word, remain. You know, one, one of the most, thing, most fun things I've done in my life is right after college, I, I got to spend a year, an entire year in Ireland. I went with the church um, through the um, seminary, uh, and so I got to spend a year in Ireland, and it was great. When I first got, uh, got on the ground in Ireland, I was a total tourist. Everything was new. They took me to all the local spots. I did the Leprechaun Museum, and I kissed the Blarney Stone and all the stereotypical Irish stuff, and I was looking for all the Irish-looking people and walking by the pubs. Like, I did the whole thing, right? Like this whole stereotypical Irish thing, I did it. And, you know, it was great. I loved getting to see that side of Ireland. 
But one of the beauties of being there is after a couple months, I got to kind of meet people and hear their stories, and I learned more about the country and the people and what made them who they are, and I got connected to to what what it meant to be Irish, and I was nothing close to that, but I got connected to this place and these people. And I realized that this connection that I, that I built was far deeper and far better than the surface version I got as a tourist. And the truth is, Irish people know this. One, one of the things I love doing is after being there a couple months, I got to take other Americans on tours and they would show up and be loud and they would want all their stuff, right? It was it's pretty much the stereotype was true most of the times, you know, and, and you take them to the Leprechaun Museum and they go kiss the Blarney Stone, which is kind of nasty, right? And it's like, they, they go on this tour, and here's the deal. If you want to go to Ireland, you should visit. It's a great place to go. Uh, and they will happily take you on tours. They will happily take your money. But here's what I promise. They will make fun of you when you leave. All right, I've been on the other side. I promise that, because here's the reality. It's not real. It's not the real Ireland. It's like a fake version. It's like a surface version that like kind of is real, but not really. Right When you're a tourist, you don't get to really know what the place is about. And I'm, I'm guessing that that exists for everywhere. And the reason I bring that up is this. I think many times we experience God's love as a tourist. We kind of show up and we visit it once a week and we know that it's there and we have all the stereotypes about what that means or what we should do with it. But then we kind of get distracted by all sorts of other things and pulled in a thousand different directions. And next thing you know, we've, we've left until we're guilted into visiting again at another church service or whatever, and we just kind of end up visiting God's love from time to time. But Jesus does not say, why don't you visit my love? He says, remain in it. Live there. You want to get the full picture? Stay in it. Right? Remain in my love, which sometimes means you got to get up and go places you don't want to do. Sometimes that means you got to say no to the temptations and the distractions that come up that try to cloud out your faith. It takes effort to try to remain in God's love. And Jesus says, if you want the full picture, if you want to really know me, you got to stay there. My question today is this, is are you living, are you remaining in God's love? And if maybe you feel like you've just been a tourist in God's love, man, listen, today is a chance for you to make a decision to stay, remain in God's love. You know, this scripture keeps going in verse 11 of John 15. He says this, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is a preview of next week, right? When you get connected to Jesus, you are filled with his joy. And you can have joy in crazy circumstances because you're connected to him. So yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Commandment. I want to repeat that word. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, Jesus says love doesn't just connect us upwards but love also turns us outwards. Jesus gives us a commandment. This doesn't say, Jesus says, this is my suggestion, this is my advice, this is my thing you should probably do. No, Jesus says, this is my commandment to love people like I have done you, which means if we're not loving people, we are living in disobedience to the voice of Jesus. Love 
doesn't just connect us upwards. It always turns us outward. And see, love always requires us. Loving like Jesus requires a sacrifice. See, Jesus is speaking towards the cross and the resurrection. He knows what's coming. But no one else in that room did. Right? He knows that he has to lay himself down so everyone can be loved and see love. And Jesus says, love like me. And loving like Jesus always requires sacrifice. You know, there's something wired in us that always wants to turn us inward. And as a church, if we're not careful, we begin to exist about ourselves and exist about our own comforts and what we want to do. And Jesus says, no, if you want to love like me, you must always turn outward. My command is to love each other, love others in the same way I loved you. I laid myself down for you. You know, um, I really got to taste this. Uh, my first job as a youth pastor, I was in Oklahoma for seven years and had a great uh, time there in ministry. And one of the things I started doing was just taking kids to Taco Bell after church. Right, started out just a few kids, right, I'd buy them tacos. After doing this for years, I, at the end of my time there, I was taking 50, 60 kids to Taco Bell, right? It was crazy. And I was buying them tacos, like all of them. And I just, I was spending like 80 bucks, uh, Taco Bell, like knew we were coming, the whole place would clear out, right? It was this crazy thing. And I began to hate that part of Wednesday nights because it filled me with anxiety and stress. I was like, what if we like run a kid over or I forget a kid at Taco Bell or what happened? You never know what kids are going to say in public, like, it was just a crazy experience, you know, and there's always a couple of kids that would just make things a little more difficult, you know what I'm talking about, right, like, I, like they would always just do random stuff, and you're like, please don't be an idiot today, like that was my prayer, right, my prayer every Wednesday was like, Jesus, please, don't let anybody be an idiot, like, please, um, and they didn't, sometimes they, they just, they couldn't help themselves, right, but, um, you know, <laughs> We actually had to stop the tradition like two months before I left because three weeks in a row kids got into a fight. So, like that was the kind of thing like with Taco Bell workers, right? Like that was the thing like, that was happening and that used to stress me out. But, but you know, I was, I was committed to going to, I, I used to wonder why I would, I would do it. But see, I wanted people who were far from God to see a picture of the church that was willing to show grace and love without any expectation of something in return. Right? And, and I believed, even though it was hard for me and I didn't want to do it most nights, I believed that it was something Jesus had invited me to do to show love to other people. And I promise you it required sacrifice. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm actually trying to show you my weakness because I didn't love it all the time. I, I, sometimes I just dreaded it. You know, as I was about to leave um, to come to Crossroads, that we had like a party for me and everyone was just saying uh, really nice things about me. It was, it was great to see how God had used me. And this kid spoke up and he was one of those kids and I thought, as he raised his hands, I thought to myself, oh no. <laughs> All right, we're in a room with a bunch of just great people from the church and uh, some of the saints in the church and I was afraid he was going to say something really dumb. And I just thought, Jesus, please help him say something not stupid, Right? Like, I love the kid, but don't say something dumb. Uh, but he just, he stood up and he said, you know, I always knew Dustin loved me because he bought me tacos. And I thought, well, you know, it's a cheap thing, I suppose. But here's, here's the deal. What he really meant was he knew that Jesus loved him. Right? And it required myself to, to sacrifice a little bit of comfort on, on a weekly occasion so that people could see the love of Jesus in me. And it wasn't me because I didn't feel like it most times. I didn't have that within me. It was something that Jesus used me to accomplish. And, and people saw the love of Jesus because I was willing to do something for him. And I'm not, I wasn't very good at it. 
And my point is this, love will always turn us outward to the other. And Jesus wants to use you to love the people in your life. And sometimes that means sacrificing time or sacrificing energy or sacrificing comfort or sacrificing freedom so you can show love to others. By the way, this is why we keep pushing this. It's not because we're desperate for help. The reality is this. We believe with all of our hearts, if you tap into serving and using God's gift to serve other people, God will unlock something in you. It's what you're created for. And Jesus will use you, and you will begin to say the words of Jesus, and people will see the love of Jesus in you, even through a taco. If Jesus can use a taco, he can use you. I promise you that. So if you haven't filled this out, sign up. We want you to serve, because we believe you will unlock your potential. Listen, love turns us outward. Patience is love persevering. Kindness is love serving. Goodness is love proving. Here's my question for you. Are you loving others? Loving people like Jesus often, always, requires sacrifice. The final part of the scripture here is found in verse 14. He says this. You are my friends. Listen to that word. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. See, love doesn't just lead us upwards, Love doesn't just turn us outwards. Love also changes us inwards. And the idea here is this. If you get connected to Jesus, he will produce this fruit in you. And if you remain in his love, you will begin to see things in your life change. Things in your life come up you didn't know you had in you. And see, I hope you saw the big change. You said, you don't have to call me master. I want to call you friend. Guys, God wants to call you friend. That relationship is produced in you when you draw close to Jesus, and you will grow if you draw close to Jesus. You know, here's the reality about the, the hole in my front yard. Davis and I were real excited about that, doing a rain dance in our front yard by that half cut up potato. You know, and, and we even looked at it a couple of days later and nothing was produced and eventually kind of the excitement of it wore off and we didn't water it, we didn't put it in the right spot, we didn't give it anything it needed and it just kind of the potato actually sprouted up about an inch out of the ground and, and that's all. And then it began to kind of rot and die and, and nothing was produced because we didn't do anything with it. We, we stopped and, and we, didn't, we didn't do anything to make it grow. And here's the reality. Guys, if we aren't growing, we're dying. And if you want to get closer to Jesus, it, it doesn't happen because a decision you made a long time ago. It's this, this decision to keep working towards Jesus. Here's the reality. Faithfulness is love abiding. Gentleness is love submitting. Self-control is love restraining. Guys, God wants to produce these changes in us. But if we aren't growing, we're dying. Right? And, and, and it's easy to put a plant in the ground, but it takes effort, right? It takes intentionality. And here's my promise to you you will not grow on accident. 
If you want to get closer to Jesus, it's not going to happen just because something happens. It's going to happen because you decide and you keep deciding to do something about your relationship with Jesus. By the way, that's why we have this tool. You can just put this by your bed, bring it every Sunday. You can fill it out. You can use this as a tool to get closer to Jesus. And so here's my question is this. Is is your love growing? Is your love growing? Is your love of Jesus? Is your love of people? Is it growing? Because if it's not growing, it's dying. So guys, here's, here's my last question is this. Are you living your life in love with Jesus? Jesus invites us to love him, to remain in him. Right? And that love leads us upwards. So here, I just want to pause. The band's about to play, about ready to worship and have a moment of response. We're excited about the rest of how this day is going to unfold. But before any of that happens, I just want to speak to you. If you just look up at me, I just want to ask you a question just from me to you is is if you realize that you've been disconnected from Jesus. Maybe you've never really had a relationship with him. Or maybe your relationship with him is just, you know, not great. If you're like, hey, listen, I feel Jesus speaking to me in this moment and and I'd be interested in stepping into a relationship with Jesus, I promise I'm not going to call you to do anything weird. But if you feel like that's you, I just want you to raise your hand up. If you feel like Jesus is leading you to to step into love with him, just go ahead and put your hand up. Thank you. Now keep your hand up. Because the reality is this love also turns us outward. And if you've realized right now that, that, that over time you've started to face inward and, you've, and you've, you've stopped looking for the needs of other people and you've put your own needs, uh, you stopped even asking Jesus where you could help. And if you realize you need to take a step of faith and step out and serve or do something, can you put your hand up if you feel like God is leading you to love others? Go ahead. And finally, if you feel like you need to change. Maybe your faith is dying and you need to make a decision to step into to love today. Could you put your hand up? Thank you. So guys, here's the question. Are you living your life in love with Jesus? If you put your hand up or even if you didn't, guys, we want to respond to Jesus in this moment. We're going to sing a song wherever you are at the campuses, online. We're just going to have a moment with Jesus. So let's respond to the love of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for every person in this room. You created us to be in a relationship with you. God, help us to realize that you love us more than we can imagine. If we want love produced in us, it starts today. Be with us as we respond to your grace. In your name we pray, amen.